Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah. And have you ever had to start over? Or are you in a season of life right now where you're starting over? And that's usually not that fun. (laughs) You know, when I talk to people and it's like, oh my gosh, I thought life was going to look like this. Something crazy happened. Now life looks like this and I've got to start over. Um, And how do I do it? What's next for me? And we have Zoe Thompson of Phoenix Life and Wellbeing Coaching. And I love the idea of the Phoenix because the Phoenix didn't just start over. It flew higher once it started over. And Zoe, I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you. So tell us what starting over means to you or or how that's played a part in your life. I think there's been lots, I've had lots of do-overs, lots of start-overs. And I, I, you know, to, you talk about the Phoenix there, for me, it was not about trying to go back to who I was before, but about building on where I'd been before, taking the experiences and coming back stronger, stronger and more powerful. And, And that's why I picked Phoenix for the, for the business name, because for me, it wasn't about bouncing back. It was more about bouncing forward and coming out of things a lot stronger, a lot more powerful and kind of taking what I'd learned, learned about myself, but also learned about life um, through that process. So I think the, the, the start overs for me are just about looking at where I am, looking at what I've got, taking that learning. You know, I think sometimes I think it can be really hard to find a positive when we've gone through adversity or we've gone through big periods of change. It can be really hard to find the positives in that. But actually, sometimes that learning and that growth that, you know, the personal evolution is the positive. So I think that's probably what it means for me. I when I talk to people about this, I'm a real believer in patterns. Right. So considering the the ter- the work I've done and the time I've spent in this, I really just talk about patterns. Right. And it's like, OK. This is what I'm seeing. When people ask me questions, it's like, okay, this is what I see, you know, and I will say 90% or more from my estimation, 90% or more of the people who really rebuild after tragedy or toxic relationships, it really does look like what you're talking about. It's it's like I rebuilt differently, mm-hmm. you know, when we try to become the same version of ourselves after pain or with that loss or with that, with that death, with that divorce, with that, whatever it is. Um, I don't see that working as well. Do you? No, I think, it, I think sometimes, I think there's, there's probably two elements for me. There's the the first part where certainly people that I work with and probably myself to, to a certain point of who want to go back and they're almost trying to recover the things that they had before the way things were before but then the second part of it, I think, where is different, and I think what you're talking about there is that you know there's the people who ex- that acceptance of what's happened, the acceptance of where they're now, where they now are, but taking that learning, but also taking the learning of what part they have played in the things that have happened, because that, from my point of view, definitely helps to prevent the patterns of behaviour and repeating things again. So from my point of view, it was really important to look at the role I played and not taking ownership or responsibility for somebody else's actions, but taking ownership and responsibility for mine so that I had that confidence and reassurance that if I end up in a situation that is similar, I know that I can do something different because I know how it played out last time. But I think quite often 
is that the two elements of trying to go back and recover what was before or not accepting responsibility and ownership of the part that you played and putting the blame elsewhere of that happened to me rather than that was something I was part of. And that for me is kind of the key things that I see people using to help them to move on. And certainly I would say it's probably a theme for me and making sure that when I moved on, I kept moving on and didn't end up reverting back or repeating those patterns with other people. I think that was probably key for me. I think one of the things for my audience is really being okay with discernment. Mm-hmm. Like that was where a lot of us messed up. You know, it's like, okay, here was this red flag or here was this thing that didn't make sense or here was this behavior and and that belief of, oh, well, it's my job to forgive or it's my job to look over that. Or if I want to be in a relationship with someone, I need to ignore that. I, in which I don't think a lot of people are, when you talk about taking responsibility, I think a lot of people think about taking responsibility for yelling or for, you know, different things. Mm -hmm. And I know my audience, when people have recovered, it's that responsibility of like, everyone isn't good. And I have to have eyes wide open. Mm -hmm. Like I can't this Pollyanna, like everything's fine. Everything will work out. Everything, you know, that, that Pollyanna belief has really gotten people in a lot of trouble. And I think that one's tricky because it is the self-responsibility of that piece, but yeah. for many of my listeners and certainly myself and uh, Zoe, I'm guessing you too, we thought that was what being a good person was, mm. right? We thought it was like that identity piece. Of, yeah. I'm a good person, so I ignore things for the sake of the relationship, right? Yeah. I think that is that, I think, and I still hold on to it. You know, you want to believe that people do things with the best of intentions. And sometimes there's unintended consequences of that. But you want to see the good in people and you want to see that people are trying. You want to see that people are doing their best. But sometimes we have to accept that people are where they are. They might not be where we want them to be. And so, yes, they might be doing things with good intentions. Yes, they might be doing their best. And yes, they might be doing the best that they can with the skills and the tools that they've got. But when it doesn't match where we are, it's okay to accept and acknowledge that and step away from it and say that this is having a negative impact on me. I can see you trying. I can see you doing your best. I can see this is well-intentioned but I'm getting hurt in the process. And so I'm going to distance and remove myself from this or take a step, take take that step back. We're not responsible for other people's learning. We can support other people while they're learning, but we're not responsible for that. But we do have ownership for the decisions that we make and the part we play in that. And yes, we can offer support or we can also make that decision to step away. And, you know, I know that there are a lot of decisions that I made that were well-intentioned of, trying to support that person and trying to you know give them that opportunity to step up and step forward but there comes a point where you're like okay this is this is not going to happen and the damage and hurt that it's causing me and others is too much and you have to make that decision to protect yourself and and step away you know so I think yeah that it's it's hard isn't it you want to see the best in people you want to give people time and you want to give people the opportunity to make change and be better it's just not always going to happen in our life cycle of our relationship with them I guess I got to a point in my own life that I really had to accept that I wasn't God and I didn't 
I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was giving people a chance. I thought I was being forgiving. I thought I was being nice. And in reality, I was thinking I can be so good and so loving and so patient and so kind and so dedicated to the relationship that I can kind of play God, right? I can be so wonderful that I can change this person. I can be so wonderful that my love will support them and they will blossom into the person they are supposed to be. And, you know, I say that out loud to say in the conversation of taking self-responsibility, it's like, man, we, we think of that as a good quality, right? We mm-hmm. think of that nice and forgiving and giving people time as a good quality. But I know for my own self, that pride, of I can be so good. Yeah. I can be so loving that I can change them, help them, save them. That is really what I had to um take self-ownership for and say mm-hmm. that was that was kind of pride. That's that's mm-hmm. very incredibly unhealthy to think I can be so amazing that I can change someone else's personality. Like that's what? Like that's not gonna make sense when you say it out loud. Like it's not logical. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it being one of the most humiliating and healthy points of my life to say, I'm not God. I cannot be so amazing that I change someone else's personality. I can't do it. Mm. And neither can anyone else. And neither can anyone else. No, and that is that we think it's kindness, but it's not kindness, is it? It's not kindness to ourselves and it's not kindness to that other person either because we're putting them in that position or we're that our expectations of that person, of what we think that is their potential or what we recognize could be or could happen. It's not always fair on that person to expect somebody to be able to do that. If they see that in themselves and they're working on that, it's very, very different to us seeing potential in other people. And that kindness that we think we're displaying is not necessarily a kindness, definitely not to ourselves and probably not to anybody else either. Mm-hmm. So in the problem, but it is scary, right? So yeah. then it's like, you know, here we are, we've recognized I can't change them. I can't change the situation. You, we all have things that we can't change. Um, and then you have to start over. You know, we get back to that that Phoenix, that piece. Yeah. Um, so what is your advice on, on the starting over process, on the pushing past fear process? What's your advice on that? I'll just keep going. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, when I look at my own journey, it's very similar to to what I talk through with clients. But I think you you have to be really clear on where you're trying to get to and why you're why you're trying to get there, because there are so many moments where you question and it is just so much easier, isn't it, to revert back to what's familiar even when it's not comfortable it's still so much easier to revert back to what you know but when you're really clear on what it is you're moving towards and why you're moving towards that it's much easier than to keep it keep it going and I think the other thing is keep those steps really small like the smaller the steps the more easy it becomes to be consistent and to show up daily and make those very small changes to keep that momentum going rather than trying to make big, big changes that then can feel very overwhelming. And so then we retreat, don't we? We retreat, we procrastinate and we kind of hide back into what, what we've known, which can often be a backward step. So I would say small steps, but just be really clear on where it is that you're going. And I, that doesn't have to be really far ahead. I think people think they've got to kind of have a year in advance or two years in advance 
if right now the furthest ahead you can see is a month, go with a month, you know, where do you want to be in a month's time and focus on getting to that month period. And after that month, you might be able to go three months and then six months and, and build on it from there. But if it needs to be small, just keep chunking it down until it feels small enough that you can kind of get excited about it. There's still a bit of fear in there too, but there's it's a positive fear. It's an, an element of actually, if I can just get through this bit, then this is what's waiting on the other side and it becomes in reach. It feels like it's in reach. So I think yeah, just definitely break it down, chunk it really down, chunk it down into the small things, but really be able to picture where you're trying to get to. Just that helps keep pushing forward. I remember one of the, as I was trying to take up more space in my own life and ask for what I wanted, I was at dinner with two very close friends and they were sitting us next underneath like a big fan at a restaurant. And I remember asking if we could move. I said, Oh, if I sit here, I'm going to be miserable and cold the whole time. Like I'll I'll be not enjoying my time with my friends Mm -hmm. because I'm freezing. And I said, you know, excuse me, maybe sit somewhere else. I don't want to sit underneath the fan. And my two friends were like, whoa, this is like a different version of Sarah, you know, which is probably funny to people who know this version of Sarah. Um, But I remember that being a big deal. And that's a perfect, I think, description of the tiny steps, like Mm -hmm. being able to ask for what you need, being able to assert yourself and, you know, I'm sure at the time I thought, oh, I don't want to bother the wait staff, but it's their job. Like they're paid to have, that's why you go out to eat, to have like a good experience, right? Yeah, they want to make sure that you're having a good time, don't they? That's that they want you to have a good experience in their restaurant. So I'm sure asking something like that means it's something they can accommodate and then you're happy and happy customers definitely means happy stuff, doesn't it? Right? Yeah, it's just this little tiny thing, but it started that ball rolling, Mm. right? Snowball. And then- you're able to ask for what you want, ask for what you want, you know, now I could, you know, ask for whatever that, that seems a silly example now, but if I had tried to start or thought, okay, success is where I am now, or maybe where I'm going to be five years from now, you know, it would be very difficult for me to get that ball rolling because it would feel so far away, (laughs) you know? So I think our, you know, our listeners thinking about those small things, asking for what you need, speaking out of like that can be a great starting point yeah, definitely for me it was saying yes to things okay. so it wasn't so much about speaking up for me it was saying yes because I over the years I had found that I was isolating myself more retreating from things more so for me it was about stepping back out there and saying yes to things and it started off with really small things and yeah it's amazing how quickly the confidence starts to come in and you think, what if I said yes to that? Then now I can say yes to this. So yeah, for me, it was about saying yes. It's almost the opposite of kind of challenging up and speaking up. But it was, for me, it was about stepping out and stepping into new spaces that I had spent some time kind of retreating and hiding away from. So yeah. No, I, I went through yes too, you know, and in the dating process or building a business or build whatever, you know, and there was a time in my life where I would say yes to almost anything, you know, not putting myself in physical harm or whatever, but, you know, I would say, yeah, I'll go mm-hmm. be in that room so I don't know anyone. Yes, I'll try that. Yes, I'll, I'll go for this option. Um, and it, again, that snowball 
building, say yes to something, speak out for yourself, you know, one tiny healthier habit, uh, I, I think is, you know, really where it starts. And I think we all want to find that one thing, like, what's the one thing I can do? It's going to change everything. And it does not exist, does not exist. No, you might have one thing like dot like dominoes where you, one thing that if you just do that one thing, it will start to start that chain reaction of knocking things down. But it isn't I don't think it's ever just one thing that that kind of has that ripple effect across everything else. It's a series of one things, isn't it? Yeah, I remember one of the one things I did was investing um, in a very expensive coach and it was uh, tens of thousands of dollars years ago, you know, as a, as a single mom, you know, it was a very huge investment on my end that has had incredible payoffs. And as soon as I did it, it was like, oh, I am someone who makes that type of investment in myself. Like I should, that was the ripple effect. I showed up in everything differently because it was like, man, I'm the type of person who makes that type of investment, you know? And I, I joke in the process, I'm like, okay, so you want peeps, you want someone to commit to you, but you don't want to commit to yourself. You want someone to invest in you, but you don't want to invest in yourself. Is this what I'm understanding? And it's a terrible life strategy. It's a terrible life strategy. I mean, if you don't see your own self-worth, then you you can't expect other people to see a worth that you don't yet see yourself. Right. You, you have to recognize what you what value you bring, you know, what, what you bring to the table and recognize that the value and the worth that that has. But absolutely, if you're not willing to invest time and attention and energy and focus in your own self, why would you expect somebody else to? It makes total sense. I'm going to add commitment. You know, I see a lot of people like, oh, if someone else asked me to do something, I'll follow through. If it's something within my own life, there is no follow through. Uh, yeah. So I do want to add commitment to that list. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. 100% agree. It's that commitment is really important. Is that commitment? And uh, yeah, because I think when it's commitment to self, it's that discipline, isn't it? It's that yes. I'm showing up for me, not just three days a week, I'm showing up for me seven days a week and I'm committing to myself before I'm committing to other people because you commit to yourself and other people benefit. From birth to death, 100%. the only person you are stuck with for life is you. It's so true. You better like you. You better like, you're it. You're it. You're yeah. the one right? <laughs> you're stuck with you. So yeah, you got to learn got to learn to love your own company and, and learn to love, I think, who you've been, love who you've been, love who you are and love who you can become. Because I think there's, you know, there are different versions of ourselves. There's multiple different versions of ourselves over the years. And you've got to love every little bit of that. And there'll be bits that you love more. Absolutely. And there'll be some things that you're quite happy to leave behind. But it's loving that growth and the journey that comes with it, too. Absolutely. So Zoe, tell people where they can find out more about you and your work. Uh, the best bet is probably head over to the website, which is phoenixlifecoach.co.uk. There's plenty of information there. There's links to all the socials as well. Um, and if you want to get in contact, there's a, a contact element there that people can get in touch. Absolutely. Zoe, thank you for helping us learn how to start over, to rebuild, to tap into those strengths, to create a new life, and most importantly, to become toxic person proof. 
If you have been listening to the Toxic Person Proof podcast and think, gosh, there's really something different about this. There's something different about what Sarah's saying. Good, because there's so many people talking about narcissism and talking about understanding toxic relationships and too few people talking about building an amazing life after a toxic person encounter. Finding love, finding joy, finding that new career, finding a great relationship with your kids, finding yourself, finding your confidence. So if you love what you hear, then you would probably love the Wondrous Woman program, which is a program that I run to help people reconnect with what's right with them, become toxic person proof, and go on to design lives they're excited about living. So go to my website, sarahkramsey.com. Check out the tab on programs to find out more and then sign up for a call to see if the Toxic Person Proof Program and the Wondrous Woman Program is right for you. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.